The scripture reading for this afternoon is taken in connection with the fifth commandment. And so we'll be reading together from Proverbs 3, the verses 1 to 12. We'll be looking at the fifth commandment later on as we find it summarized in Lord's Day 39, and we'll also be reading from, first of all, from Proverbs 3, the verses 1 to 12. This passage comes within the broader context of the first portion of Proverbs, in which this is a father who's talking to his son. My son, he says, do not forget my law, but let your heart Keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. The word of God. Let's now read together in connection with that from the summary of the fifth commandment as we find it in Lord's Day 39. And you'll be able to find that on page 555 of your book of praise. In our categories in the summary of scripture, we read, what does God require in the fifth commandment? That I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. Submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline. And also have patience with their weakness weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, <clears throat> in our day and age, it's considered a pretty normal thing for young people, teenaged young people especially, to rebel. Any TV show you watch, it's a theme that comes back time and time again. When you speak to parents, you'll get some who say, oh, your child is good now, but just wait until they hit their teenage years. There's almost an expectation out there that children will rebel. Children hearing that message time and time again don't really have any expectations to live up to either. If they think, well, that a mom are always saying that I'm going to rebel, it doesn't 
give them anything to live up to. It comes with the territory that they've been given. Now, it's true. It is more difficult as you get older, but haven't left the home yet. For one, just growing older, becoming an adult slowly but surely can make it a difficult thing. You're becoming more independent. You're becoming your own person. Expressing the fact that you're an individual becomes more important. And in the midst of all that, you also get hormones thrown in, which don't really help the matter. But the question is, do we need to bow to our culture's low expectations? Is this just the world we live in today? Or is there more to life? It's easy to be influenced by your friends and the way that they treat their parents or others in authority over you. It's easy to be influenced by the media that you take in that tells you it's okay and it's normal. But God encourages us to take a step back. God encourages us to look at the big picture and to submit ourselves to his word. Today we'll see this under the following theme and points, teaching and learning to trust in the Lord, first of all as parents, and secondly as children. You might think that, first of all, considering parents might be an unusual direction to go, and especially considering our passage today. But what do we see here in our passage today? Here, a father is talking to his son. He's having a genuine conversation with him about the things of God. This is the kind of relationship that should be between a parent and their child. Beginning with the heart, he talks about the relationship of having your heart in the right place when it comes to maturing, when it comes to wisdom, when it comes to your possessions, your money, and when it comes to the discipline and the guidance of the Lord. This is front and center, the job of parents. For those of you who have had your children baptized in this church, these are among the promises that you made. You said yes to the question, do you promise as father and mother to instruct your child in this doctrine as soon as he or she is able to understand and to have him or her instructed therein to the utmost of your power? And here in God's Word, we're given an example of one way that a parent lovingly carries out this promise in Proverbs 3. But this example presupposes a whole lot of things. What does that mean? To presuppose something means that you have a way of thinking that's behind what you are saying or doing. And we can see this to be true for the dad that God introduces us to today. First of all, we can see that this dad's heart belongs to the Lord. Did you notice that? When he's talking to his son, it's not just some distant God he's talking to. To simply know him as God would be incredible enough. He is the one with divine power. He's the one who is the creator. 
And he's speaking of him in terms of the one who has the right as creator over every single one of our lives. But that's not what he points to first and foremost when he speaks to his son. The dad here is using the covenant name of the Lord. The capital letters that you see here means that the Hebrew name Yahweh is used here. This is the name that's only used by someone who is in relationship with God, who is in relationship with his heavenly father and recognizes that his heavenly father has a relationship with him and a claim over him or her. This is the name that God only gives to people with whom he has a relationship and no one else in the world. Just like the name of husband or wife, dad or mom ought to be meaningful to us as we think about the precious relationship that it points to, so too when we hear the name Yahweh or Lord in all caps, should we be thinking of this? And this is what the dad is pointing to when he's speaking to his son. But he goes even further than that. When this dad says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. He is talking from experience. His heart already belongs to the Lord, and it's belonged to the Lord for a good while. And so he wants his child to recognize that. Why wouldn't he think that way? Just having the covenant name of the Lord as his own ties him to the whole history of the Lord's people. It ties him to the whole history of his Lord's faithfulness and his Lord's work with his people. And for this dad, he's not only able to talk with his son about looking at the faithfulness of this Lord for all his people, but with these words, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Looking at the faithfulness of the Lord there, he's talking about how it's real for him personally as well. This is something that's important for parents to recognize. Fathers and mothers. But fathers especially, you have a unique job here. As a spiritual leader in the home, this love for the Lord ought especially to be real for you. Brothers, does the Lord have your heart? In verse 3 here, it says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. In the ancient world, you would have a seal that you hung around your neck. This seal was often a wood or metal cylinder that had an engraving on it. And when you sent out a message, you would then pour wax on the message and roll the seal over the wax, leaving the imprint of who you were on the wax. It was like your signature. You didn't want anyone else having it because what was in the letter was a reflection of who you were. 
You didn't want somebody else to send something out in your name unless you would be absolutely sure that you would be okay with it. The Persian king Xerxes found out the hard way how not, to be, how not being careful with your seal reflects on you when Haman borrowed his to try to commit genocide against the Jews in all of Persia. When you had a seal, you kept it close to you, and you kept an eye on what it was used for. You bound it around your neck. You carried it with you all the days. In this way, too, we are called to strive to truthfully reflect who we are as God's people. The words mercy and truth that come up here are words which are used quite often in relation to God. And so these words should be something that's precious to us, that we hold fast to as a reflection of God's character. Never letting this mercy and truth of God depart from us, but rather having it direct all of our lives and having it imprint all of our interactions especially when it comes to our children. That, aside, that being said, mercy and truth will only be a reflection of who you are if you do trust in the Lord with all your heart. If you show your sons and your daughters that you do not lean on your own understanding, if you show your students and your employees, if you show those who are underneath you if you show those who look up to you each and every day, those who admire you, that you do not lean on your own understanding, but you look to the Lord in all things to guide and direct you. And you strive to reflect the character of the Lord with them. Then this will be what comes out in your interactions with them. Those who are under you, especially children who live with you every day, are very observant. They can know if you practice what you preach. But more than that, reflect on this point for a moment. Is this what you want for your children as well? In 3 John 1 verse 4 we read, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. John is, of course, talking about his spiritual children here. But the principle is the same whether we are speaking about our spiritual children, those whom we are looking after, or whether we're looking after our physical children. The principle is the same. Is this what you want for your children above success, wealth, stability, influence, and power? To have your children walking in the truth, to lean not on their own understanding, but in all of their ways acknowledge Him? Can they see this in you every day, walking in the footsteps of Jesus and leaning on Him for the strength to keep on going? Can they tell that this is what you want for them? How does that come out? These are all questions that we have to reflect on. 
And it's at this point, while we're reflecting on this, that we will also shift to the children, which brings us to our second point. Boys and girls, if you know that your parents' greatest joy is to have you walking in the truth, that that is what is most important for them. How easy do you make this for them? Well, you don't know my parents, you might say. They're not exactly perfect people. They're not the kind of people that you were just talking about. That may be true. And there can be a few reasons for that. If your parents expect you to respect them, it can be hard if you see them doing something different in their own lives. If they expect you to respect them, but they talk about the church or about their bosses or your teachers and about the lawfully elected government disrespectfully, and if they don't bear patiently with them in their weaknesses and shortcomings, but they're always ready with a quick answer to knock them down, it can be hard to be different from your parents. Because instead of following them while they walk in the footsteps of Christ, you have to walk down that path alone. And that's tough. The way your parents treat each other comes into this as well. God has put them together in authority over your family. But if they don't deal with each other in a way that Christ deals with his church and the church is called to answer to Christ, if they don't show the fruit of the Spirit to each other, it can be hard. If you can't see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control in the way that they deal with each other, it can be hard. If they speak disrespectfully to each other, that can do a lot to hurt your own walk with God. It's hard to show love and respect to your parents if they don't show it to each other. But at the same time, this is what God calls us to do. What does he teach us? In Ephesians 6 verse 1, the Holy Spirit says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This isn't only if they are like the parents that you find in Proverbs 3. This isn't only if they are perfect parents, because they're not. This isn't only if they fully obey God's commands in the way that they raise you. Your parents are sinful people too. They might not always admit that to you, but they are. But like our catechism points out, it is God's will to govern us by their hand, to guide us, to help us to grow. How we respond to them, how we answer them, how we live with them 
if we choose to rebel against them or to disrespect them, is a reflection. It's a small picture of how we are living in the way that we're living towards God. If you obey them in the Lord, then everything that they say and do that pushes you closer to God should be very valuable to you. It should be very important to you. You should look for these things from them and ask about them, asking them to teach you how to live, how to live in a way that's pleasing to God. And not just how you can learn to do the right things, but how you can truly love God. Why? Because the Lord, Lord in capital letters there, our covenant God, is your covenant God too. He wants your hearts too. Your parents might not be perfect, but our catechism also points out we are called to bear patiently with them in their weaknesses and shortcomings. That means if your parents make another mistake, again, as happens so often with us imperfect people, you don't roll your eyes at them, you don't get upset, but you're patient with them. You deal with them in love. Now, that's not to say that we have to obey them in everything. The Bible does put limits on it, right? How did that verse in Ephesians say it? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Your parents have an awesome responsibility in raising you up. They are reflecting the Lord's ownership. The fact that the Lord is in charge of them and of their lives. And so what they say to you is meant to be a picture of the Lord's love for them poured out on you. It's to be a picture of the Lord's love for you. The Lord guiding them and the Lord disciplining them reflected in the way that they guide and they discipline you. But they can only ask for your obedience in the things that agree with what God wants from you. If what they ask or say goes further than that, if it goes against what God says in the Bible, then you are to say the same thing that the disciples Peter and John said a long time ago to those who were their religious leaders. I must obey God rather than men. Acts 5 verse 29. At the end of the day, the question here for both adults and for children, for anyone really, is, where does your heart lie? Do, your, do you find your wisdom in yourself? Do you look to make sense of the world only on your own? Or does your heart belong to Yahweh, our covenant Lord, our covenant God? Where do you want your heart to lie? There's only pain Sadness and disappointment in a life of rebellion, whether it's against your earthly father or mother or against your heavenly father. Are you striving to live in relation to him? Again, if your parents aren't walking in the footsteps of Christ, it's a lonely path to follow. 
but you're never truly alone. In the first place, you are in a church, and all of these people around you are your brothers and sisters. Boys and girls, when you have friends who are struggling, when you have a brother or a sister in this church, not just one who's related to you, but one who is your brother in Jesus Christ or your sister in Jesus Christ, do you look out for them? When you see them in the way that they respond to their parents, maybe not living a life that's okay with the Lord, do you come beside them? Do you help them? Do you pray for them? Do you encourage them? When you are in the church of Christ, you are never truly alone because you do have these people who are around you who are willing to help you in this way, brothers and sisters in Christ. But more than that, Jesus Christ is with you. He is not just leaving footsteps for you to follow in, but he's living in you. He said, I will be with you to the very end of the age. His Holy Spirit is at work in you each and every day, changing you. You know, as well as I, that we can't live perfectly. But that's the beauty of being part of God's covenant people. Because we're daily reminded that we do live in relation to God and that He is our Lord. And it's a relationship that God Himself made possible by the sacrifice of His only Son. Jesus Christ was the perfectly obedient Son. And He was completely reliant every day on His Father in heaven. We've been reminded of this as we've been going through the Gospel of Luke together in the mornings, seeing how often He prayed to His Father in heaven. And it's through his work that we're reminded of where our hope truly lies. And so, as we saw at the beginning, we're encouraged through Christ to take a step back and to look at the big picture, to look at our lives, our relationships, and our hopes from an eternal point of view. And to remember that we have a more perfect Father in heaven than any earthly father. And so ultimately, we're looking each day to live for Him. He gives us a new hope. He has tied us to Him through Jesus Christ, adopting us to be His children. And whether we're good parents or parents who struggle, whether we're good spiritual mentors or spiritual mentors who fall short, whether we're children who obey or children who struggle, trusting in the Lord with all our heart, leaning not on our own understanding, in all of our ways acknowledging Him, and turning to Christ in repentance and faith each day that we fail, we know that He will direct our paths. And we know that at the end of the day, He will bring us home. He'll bring us home again. Amen.